0: Um, my wife and I, we have uh, a herd of children, and I know many of you know that, right? We've got six kids. Anybody in here parents? Oh, come on. Yeah, there we go. Anybody in here um, have not me living at their house? We got not me. There we go. Not me. You got not me. It's just crazy. Um, the, the rest of you parents that didn't raise your hands, I want to know your secret. How did you get rid of him? Like, um, Because every time there's something going on at my house, it's like, who did this? I don't know. Not me. And so we got... Six kids, I can line them up. I've done this several times before where very clearly something has taken place that was not me um, and it was not my wife and apparently it was not our six other children either. Um, It was not me. I don't know. I have no idea how that broke or how that disappeared or how it moved. Um, It's just amazing, right? And um, it's just, (laughs) it's so funny because um, kids just they don't want to accept responsibility. And and I try to tell my children, here's the thing, like, very few things are, are trouble things, right? Like, I'm not seeking to punish you. I'm not seeking to make your life miserable. I'm seeking to grow you. And so if I come to you and you say, I did that, we can have a conversation and we can move on with life. But when you Avoid responsibility, well, then you're dishonest, and then I have to grow you in a different way, um, and that way it's not very fun. Um, and the sad thing is, you know, as we become adults, many of us don't grow out of that. We just kind of graduate in our irresponsible behavior. We, we kind of step into this new version of, I don't know, not me, and, and we begin to blame people rather than just saying, ah, I don't know, not me. We, we step into this, yeah, it was because of, because this happened, of course this was my response. Well, even though we've kind of transformed the conversation, the, the, the truth is we're still dodging responsibility, just like we did when we were children. Um, and I know my story, um, and, and I just want to kind of preface, tonight's message um, will hopefully offend many of you. you. Um, that, that is my goal. Um, it's often my goal when I get in front of you to make you uncomfortable. Um, two reasons. One, it, I find it fun that I finally have a platform to ridicule hundreds of people at once. Um, I've waited my whole life for it. Um, two, I think that that stepping into what God has for us should be uncomfortable, right? Because it, it should challenge us. God's word should challenge us. Um, the call God's placed on our lives should challenge us. And so that, that's my goal oftentimes. But... Um, as I say that, some of the things I'm going to touch on um, may stir up pains that you have, legitimate pains. There, there may be, you know, real hurts. Um, there may be legitimate abuse in your story. And so as I kind of get into tonight's message, I don't want to diminish that. Um, I know that those things are real. And if you were hurt by somebody else or by a situation, that pain's real. And, and I just want to recognize that as we get started. And I'm so sorry. For whatever's happened to you I, I truly am you know part of my story is i was sexually abused for many years and, and that's a real that's a real wound right that was something i really had to navigate and deal with um but i had responsibility moving forward and and i used that abuse in that situation to allow myself to be a victim for many years and as a victim i had a passport to do all sorts of things i shouldn't do and, and that's what we kind of want to address there and so just know I recognize your pain and what you've been through, but I want to kind of touch on what took place after that. So please don't get those things confused. Please be hurt by my message in other ways, okay, and offended in other ways. And so um, I don't know, not me, is, is the, the title of tonight's message. And we're going to talk about personal responsibility um, And uh, because each of us um, in here, um, we, we are responsible for the things that we do, that we say, that we think. Um, Believe it or not, um, there's not actually an excuse out there that excuses your behavior. Um, And that's a hard truth. I'm going to say that again. There's not an excuse out there that excuses anything you choose to do. There's not. There's nothing that's valid. No amount of abuse, no amount of pain or suffering excuses your wrong behavior and wrong choices. Though, as difficult as that may sound, we still... We still try to do that. And, and it's kind of just in our, our nature for whatever reason, um, the way that the, the sin nature has impacted us. It's kind of robbed us of who God's called us to be. And it goes all the way back. There's a great story, and I love it. And it's in Exodus. And um, if you don't know your Bible, it's Genesis and Exodus, right? And, and we get this story and the history of the, the Israelites and God calling their people. And then in Exodus, we have the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, right? Moses and Aaron have kind of um, came and, and, you know, that let my Pharaoh, let my people go. And so then they're out in the wilderness and, and all of that. And it's in this... This place in this wilderness that, that God gives the law to Moses. did anybody grow up in the '80s watching that Charleston Heston? Um, yeah, the movie. So you know you know this, the, the picture of going up on the mountain and Moses coming down with the, the stone tablets. Well, what I want to look at today as we get started is Exodus 32, starting in verse 1. It said this, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, he'd went up the mountain, right, to meet with God and to get the law. Um, They said they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. People get so distracted so quickly. Um, And so the Israelites had done this. And so... um what, what what they begin to do in this moment is Moses is on the mountain as they go to Aaron and say, hey, make me some gods. Make us some gods that can lead us. And so Aaron is a willing participant. And if you don't know, Aaron is the brother of Moses. Um, he represented God with Moses to Pharaoh, right? He was like his spokesman because Moses was tongue-tied. And so he's seen all of the miracles and he knows all the things. And then here he is, he participates with this. And he says, bring me your gold earrings and and, and other gold and, and jewelry, and and he, he puts it in the fire and he he melts it down and he molds and shapes it into a calf, right? A false idol, a false god, a god that can truly lead the Israelites. And then as Moses is on the mountain with God, God tells Moses, "Like your people are screwing up, bro," and and God is he's ticked and he's like, "I'm gonna." I'm just going to wipe them away, and you know what? I'll make a mighty nation of your people, Moses. He's like, I'm going to do away with all of these wicked, corrupt people, and we're starting over with you. Forget the lineage of Abraham. It's going to be the lineage of Moses, and, and Moses intercedes on their behalf and says, God, man, forgive your people. Forgive your people, and, and Moses goes down the hill, and as he's coming down, um, he's met with Joshua who had been up there with him, and they, they hear the shouts of the people and said, oh, no, there's wars, what Joshua says, and Moses says, no. That's celebration, and they get down here, and, and the people are, are wickedly worshiping this false idol, and, and Aaron had made an altar and all of these things. And then in verse 21, it says, finally, he turned to Aaron, as Moses is, is just tick, seeing all of this, and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Aaron's response is this, don't get upset, my Lord, Aaron said you yourself know how evil these people are. I love that. Immediately, I can just hear kind of like the toddler coming out and and the adolescent. Sounds like one of my teenagers. Don't get mad at me, dad. You know what a piece of trash my brother is or how difficult my sister is. And then, man, I'm I'm even, you know, just recognize myself as an adult getting angry. Well, you know, how difficult my wife can be or, you know, my wife, how difficult my husband can be, right? And I'm sure none of you married people can relate. Um, But here he is. He says, says, you yourself know these evil people. They said to me, they said, I'm minding my own business. I'm innocent here. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, Whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply, say simply. I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. I have no idea. Like, so Moses is like, who, why did you do this? And he said, I didn't. Well, who did? I don't know. Not me. Not me. I mean, I simply did this and out came this calf and, and this irresponsibility I mean, it dates back to the fall of man because God created us. God actually created us to be responsible. And when sin entered this world, right, that, that brokenness, I mean, it, it, it attacked our identity, right? And our identity, that's who God created us to be. And so now there's this conflict that, that as, as children of God... We're created for this purpose, and that's to be responsible for the things in our life. But then there's this brokenness inside, and, and they battle, and there's this war that's waged on in the, inside of us. Because of what happened in the beginning. And, and again, in, in Genesis, if you go just one chapter or one book of the Bible backwards, we're in Exodus. If you go to Genesis, to the beginning, Genesis 1, God created everything, right? The heavens and the earth and, and the fish and the sea. And then he created man. And in Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God who created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, and I love it. God's first command is to be responsible in sexual activity. Praise God for that, right? And have lots of babies, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could apply for that. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, and that's that's like our first call to responsibility. But He doesn't stop there. He says this, and then God blessed them, said, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it." That, that's responsibility. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And so the first thing I want you to walk away with tonight is, is God created us to be responsible. From the very beginning, this the initial creation. First man, first woman. God did this command to to be responsible for the things in our world. That's the people in our circle. That's our our family, our community, right? Our our, our job, whatever it may be. The things that we encounter, there's a call from God from the beginning to, to steward it well, to be responsible. But as man fell later on, there's a brokenness that was placed inside, right? That's our sin nature. And because of that, Rather than being responsible as God's called us to be, we, we begin to be irresponsible. We begin to, to neglect the things that God's called us to. We begin to act like Aaron there and say, out came this calf. I don't know why my marriage is trash, right? I did everything I was supposed to do, and it just failed. I don't know why I, I drink and, and use drugs. You know, I've, I've tried to do everything, and it's just who I am. And there begins to be this attitude of, I don't know, it's not me. I know there's problems in my life, but it's not me, it's you. I know that I struggle, but it's not me, it's you. I know I didn't say the things I should say, do the things I should do. I don't know why. It's not me, it's you. And, and that just continues to, to compound this brokenness, to compound just the, the sin in our lives and, and to compound our struggle and to continue to, to, to pull us farther away from the things of God. And, and if we want to step into it, right? If we wanna do things the way that God has called us to and to be who God has called us to be, we've gotta step up to the plate. We've gotta stop making excuses. We've gotta to begin to accept the things in our life. And, and I know for me, again, I played the victim card for so long with abuse. That one of the first things I had to accept in real was, man, my, my victimizer, he never made me get high. He didn't do that. He hurt me. He wounded me. And that was real. But every choice I made after that was mine, all right? That was on me. I didn't have a choice in this, but I had a choice in, in my addiction that, that was 100% on me. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, Right? But the, the, the theft, right, the, the abuse in, in, to people around me, that was my fault. I did that. He, he didn't do that. And, and, and we have to, in every facet of life, come to the same thing. If I get in an argument with my wife and, and, I, and I yell at her, even if she yelled first, did she force me to yell? Absolutely not. Did she force me to do anything? No, those were, those were personal choices that we make, right? If, if I blow up at my children, I can claim all day long that it's because they're bad kids or whatever, but it's still my choice. And so we, if we're going to step into the life God's called us to, we gotta begin to accept that and say, no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, I'm nobody's puppet. My choices are my own, and God created us to be responsible from the very beginning. And if God created us for responsibility, again, what happened? We fell. People fell. Sin happened. It broke everything. And I want us to look at that for just a moment. As we do, I want you to turn to the book of James, James in your New Testament. Um, and, and James, he was the half-brother of Jesus And we're going to be in James chapter 1 beginning um, So James is the half-brother of Jesus And uh, if you don't want to skip around in a paper Bible I want to encourage you to get your version Bible app Put all the notes up there I'm 99% certain that I loaded today's message There's like a 1% chance I didn't um, But James chapter 1, somebody confirmed that I did. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, James chapter 1, verse 12. And it says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. I want to pause on that. It's unrelated to the message, um, but there's a lot of people I've encountered that have really bad, what we call theology. Um, Theology is kind of how we believe, Um, but they have this, and and I just want to, God is tempting me is what people say, and I hear this so often, but God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never, say never, never, never tempts anyone else. God does not tempt us to do the wrong thing. And again, that's completely unrelated to what we're doing, really. But um, just wanted to touch on that. Starting in verse 14 after that, it says temptation comes from our own. Say own. Because well, I mean, we got to like own that and, and recognize that. It comes from our own desires. That's, that's crazy, right? Because that can't be. I mean, I, I was hurt and surely this wound Was a catalyst for this choice. Well, no, God's word says no, that's a a desire. And sometimes our wounds and and the damage that's been done will magnify a broken desire inside of us. And that's a hard pill to swallow. So you're you're saying that I had a desire to get completely trashed and burn my life down. I did. Why? Because of sin, not because of what happened. It, it was a broken, it was a desire within myself that that comes from a fallen, broken world, and so temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death—spiritual death, right? Death in our relationships death and, and our day-to-day life. I mean, it, it, it wreaks havoc when we give in to these desires. Now, I will say this, that if we refuse to take responsibility, these things are left unchecked. And when we're at the height of self-destruction, I guarantee you lack of responsibility is right up there with it, right? Because if it's always somebody else's fault, you're not responsible to change, you're not responsible to make a different decision. It's, it's not on you. It's on them. You've got the passport, right? You can travel wherever you want to travel. And man, do we think it's beautiful. But the truth of the matter is it's our own desires. They entice us and drag us away. They, they create this desire to, to do what's wrong. And when sin is allowed to grow, when we allow it to grow, because we refuse to accept responsibility for our lives it gives birth to death. It destroys us. And point number two tonight is this. We are our worst enemy. We are. It's, it's uh, again, something that, that our sin nature has done inside of us and our brokenness that we burn down our lives. And we've got the gas can and the matches and we're just dumping it on. Shh, why did you make me do this? Right? I know I'm not the only one that's been there. And, and then we're just pointing the finger and we're just torturing ourselves. And, and the truth is, it's on you. It's your fault. It was my fault. That's no fun. Because that means all of those terrible things that I've done were on me too. And your bad decisions were nobody else's fault but your own. Every choice Every bit of brokenness you chose to do, and so again, point number two: we are our own worst enemy. We blame others, our circumstances, our situations, for the desires that come from within that we allow to go unchecked. We allow ourselves to be victims, and man, as we step, especially as we step into a relationship with Jesus, and God's word says we're we're victors, right? That. We're in Christ, and because we're in Christ, we've overcome, and then we go through this victim mentality, and and we try to be Jesus' followers and victims at the same time, and that doesn't reconcile, and so then none of this works. Your recovery won't work, right? If we have a Christ-centered recovery, and you're blaming other people for your choices, it doesn't function that well, and so victims blame. Victims blame. And again, if you're, if you're victimizing yourself, you've stepped into wrong thinking. Victims blame. Point the finger. It's because of you. It's because of them. Mature people own. That's on me. Victims relive the crime. And, and again, this, that's hard um, because I'll be honest. I mean, there's areas of my past that I, I have flashbacks from to this day over 20 years later. Um, and and I, have to, I have to fight that sometimes and, and fight this. And, and, but victims relive that. They wallow in the self-pity, right? You don't know what I've been through. You, you don't know what's happened. And, and you're right, I don't. But that's not the life God's called you to. Victims, again, relive. Mature people redefine. You know, God's word tells us that God uses everything to his good. For the glory of those who love god and are called by god god didn't allow bad things to happen but when you stop being a victim you can redefine your circumstance you can allow god to use all of that for his glory that that my story today went from me being a victim to being a victor to god allowing me to have a platform and and to, to share my story with people and to reach others around me and that's a much better life than me getting messed up in the trap house, right? And God changes that. I can allow my brokenness, right, to, to tear down marriage after marriage after marriage because I can relive all those wounds from all the women. Or, man, I can, I can redefine what's happened and, and I can move forward in the victory that God's given me. Victims see people as threats. I see this all the time. I can't trust people. And and they want to step back and step away. And we've said this time and time again here, that God has called us together. That if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So people are not threats, right? We're we're, we're in the body of Christ. We're called the unity. We're called the journey together. And, And again, victims see people's threat. Mature people see people as support. Turn to the person to your left and say, I'm there for you. Now explain to the other person why you didn't say that to him. Why, why don't you love them? Man. No. Pe- people are support. God's called us together. I feel so bad for your second choice. Victims make excuses. I encounter this so frequently. It's, uh, I- I'm trying to counsel people, and it's like, this is what you need to do. And they say, I can't because... Like And so it's very clearly, God's like, God says this is possible, right? This is in God's word. It's in scripture. And they say, that's not going to work because, well, what are you doing? You're making excuses because you want to be a victim because you don't want to take responsibility and you don't want to walk in what God's given you. Um, but mature people create solutions and move forward and take what God's given them and what he's done and, and stop living in the past and start accepting a responsibility for where they're at and where they're going, and so again, point number two, we are our worst enemy, and so if temptation comes from within, does that mean I'm to blame for all my poor choices? Yes, 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 you are. So that that's kind of the theme for tonight. All your poor choices were your fault. They're, they're your fault. They. But Pastor Aaron, my, my parents abandoned me. Yes, I'm so sorry for that. That's hard. You, your circumstances were different than mine starting off. You still chose to do what's wrong. Uh, that's the truth. Um, well, Pastor Aaron, I was, I was raped and molested, and, and you don't know what that's like and, and what I've went through and, and all the pain. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry from the bottom of my heart for what you went through. I, I want, you may never have heard that. If somebody hurt you, I am sorry. Like, that's terrible. But that doesn't excuse poor choices and poor behavior. Like, we're still called to take responsibility for our life and for our actions. And we can't make excuses. We, we have to take responsibility and, and move forward in a healthy way. If we ever want to escape these cycles, if we ever want to escape this brokenness, Otherwise, that gives way to sin, and sin gives way to death. Or take life, right? Let the Spirit lead you. The Spirit's going to lead you to responsibility. Just a warning. And so, we are to blame for those choices. I want us to look at Galatians 6. Paul said this, Galatians 6, 4, 5. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get great satisfaction of a job well done. I'm going to pause right there. Be less concerned about the people around you, more concerned about yourself. Just just a side note here, um, you can only control you, okay? there. You can't control the person next to you. Your, your spouse, I mean, even your children. I mean, we all, you got teenagers, you know, you can't control them, right? And it comes down to them have to do what they need to do. And so, Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for, say for, for we are each responsible for our own. There's that own word again. Say own. Own. Ouch, right? Our own conduct. They're not responsible for your conduct. They're not responsible for your behavior. They're not responsible for any of it. You're responsible for your own conduct. And what I want you to know, lastly, point number three is, is we make our own beds. Make your own bed, lie in it. We make our own beds. If you don't like the bed you're lying in, make a different one, right? Make a different one. If you don't like the situation you've created for yourself, create a different one. Do something else. You're responsible for your bed. No no matter where you came from. Again, and we may have all started on different socioeconomic backgrounds. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about choices. I'm talking about behavior. I'm talking about, you know, how we choose to live our lives. We make our own bed. As we wrap up tonight, I want us to to be in 1 Samuel. I want you guys to turn to that. 1 Samuel 15. And we're going to look at Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, chosen and anointed by God to lead God's people, right? This was before King David. And and God had big plans for him. God had big plans for him. He was giving him this great and mighty nation, these people, to lead. Um, And then God wants him to destroy this certain people group. And in 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3, it says, One day Samuel said to Saul, Um, Samuel was a prophet, just in case you don't know that. Um, And so... God would use Samuel to deliver, at the time, deliver messages to the Israelites. And Samuel anointed Saul and later anointed David. He was a messenger of God. People respected him. And listen to him. And so Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of the Amalek um, for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalek nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Right? So... Here's this message, go and destroy them. Why? They opposed Israel coming out of Egypt um, and entering the wilderness. And God had told them, I'm gonna blot them out. And so this was God you know, being true to his word and, and he's gonna take these people out. And he's told Saul something very clear. And so the Israelites began to amass an army of a, a few hundred thousand against them and begin to overtake them and destroy them. But the problem was, Saul didn't follow through. It says, then Saul slaughtered the Amicalites from Havilah all the way into Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amicalite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Some of you may be wondering, is he saying those words right? I don't know. Somebody told me one time, just say it confidently enough. Everyone will be convinced that you know better than them. And so if you hear another pastor sometimes reading this, and he's like, that's not how Pastor Aaron said it. He's probably right. I'm probably wrong. Um, it said, he captured Agag, the Amalek king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the fat calves in the land, um, lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless and a poor quality. And so here they did this, right? They, they halfway carried out what God had called them to, but fell short and didn't follow all the way through. So then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he's not been loyal to me and he's refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel and set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. And so here, man, um, Saul has has chosen to be wicked, right? He's disobeyed God. He's disregarded what was clearly a message from the Lord. Samuel was a known prophet, known to speak um, from God. Um, Saul recognized this. Saul knew this, and he still decided to do what he wanted to do. And it says this. It says, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerily. May the Lord bless you, he said, I have carried out the Lord's command. And so he claims, I've done what God wants me to do. Then what is all the bleeding of the sheeps and goats and the lowing of cattle that I hear Samuel demanded? Again, it just reminds me of a conversation with my kids. Like I walk into their room. Why didn't you clean, our, clean your room? Like I told you, like you're supposed to do this. And then they say, I did. And it's like, what do you mean you did? Like, I can see, I, did, I just, I feel it's like how Samuel felt talking to Saul in this moment. Like he was talking to a child. Like, hey, my Lord, I've carried out all that the Lord wanted me to do. Nah. Like, like, what do you mean? Like, I hear a sheep. Are those goats? No, I've carried out all that the Lord wants me to do. And so there's consequences to that. Right. If we fail to accept responsibility, if we fail to do what's right, there's consequences to that. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep and goat and cattle, Saul admitted. Man, all the parents are like, I've, I've heard this one before. All right, like, I cleaned most of my room. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Like, it's true, we kept it, but we did it for God. Like it's true that I disobeyed here, but it was for this reason it's not my fault. I know you said this, but this is this is why. Just hear me out, just hear me God, I know that you called me to to live differently here, but just just hear me out like I, I've got a plan god I, I know that you've you've said that that I shouldn't live life this way, but I mean, all these things are going on and, and just just hear me out, okay i, I I I know, but it wasn't me. And so Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, you are not the leader of the tribes. Are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Samuel insisted. But I did obey. I'm not quite sure he's not a teenager. I carried out the mission he gave me. I did it. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, and Gilgal. Like, we, we were going to sacrifice. I know we kept it from town. Like we went to multiple towns, but really we were going to do this. You're just, you're just now getting here. Like, right, this is what was going to happen the whole time. Like we, we were doing what God wanted us to do. And then it goes on. It says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is far better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. And stubbornness, refusal to take responsibility, to accept the life that God's called you to, to to follow his voice, which is clearly spoken in God's word. Stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. God anointed Samuel or Saul, Saul refused to obey God. He made his bed and, and that was removed from him. God has now rejected him as king. And in and, and our lives, God's called you to something. And you can choose to follow that. Or you can choose to make your own way, to be irresponsible, to refuse to accept responsibility for your choices, and you make your own bed. It wraps up in verse 24. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Almost sounds like he's got it. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Even in the end, God's rejected him. And in this message, into the bitter end, Saul says, Yeah, but these people. And because of that, Saul... And Saul's family were rejected in their opportunity to lead in Israel. Their call, their purpose was taken away because he refused to be responsible for what he had done, because he refused to follow God's leading and God's voice. How much do we miss out on in our lives where we know You show up to places like this, somebody speaks to you or a family member's instructed you or you you opened up your Bible and you read and you know and and you read it and, and it's like, yeah, God, but these people, you don't know how sinful they are. You don't know how much they've hurt me. Yeah, God, but you don't know how much pain I'm in. You don't know what I've been through or what I'm going through. Yeah, God, but, yeah, God, but. But we've got to be responsible. We've got to accept that our choices are our own and that we have the ability to change our story moving forward with the help and the power of Jesus Christ. That that if we'll submit to him, if we'll follow him, if we'll allow him to lead, everything can change. And so to recap tonight, I want you to know, point number one, God created us to be responsible. That if you're struggling with that, then you're struggling to fully recognize who you are in him. Number two, we are our worst enemy. There's a battle inside of us. God's voice saying, do what you know to be right. The broken, sinful nature that says, just send it. It's somebody else's fault anyways. And number three, we make our own beds. Your situation, your choices, they're not on anybody else. We have to begin to recognize the role we play in our lives. And we've got to begin to make different choices. Some action steps tonight. Number one, identify areas in your life where you have not taken full responsibility, especially related to your recovery. Begin to take an account of where you're at, where you're going, what you're doing. Number two, think about the areas in your life you need to work on and how you respond. If somebody hurts you, you still choose how you respond. Somebody says something, somebody does something, your responses on you. And number three, take full responsibility for your life, your action, and your responses. Take responsibility for where you're at and where you're going. When we talk about all of this, um, you know, if we're created to be responsible, then that means we have to move towards the image of God. And the only way we do that is by accepting Jesus. Like, we, we don't have the ability or the power to combat what's inside of us without him, right? Everything we talk about sinners around that relationship with him. And so if you're in here tonight and, and maybe you've been struggling for so long to break that victim mentality. You've been struggling for so long to take responsibility for where you're at. And you're just now realizing that you've been fighting with your hands tied behind your back because you've never leaned into Jesus. You've never accepted what he has to offer. And you're like, you know, tonight, like, I want to get in the fight for real. Like, I want to begin to take back what's been taken from me and and what I've given up. I want to take full responsibility for my life presently and and, in my future and eternity. And I want to accept Jesus. Can I do that? Absolutely. When we accept Jesus, it's believing that he's the son of God, admitting that we can't save ourselves, recognizing that he can, recognizing that he's the son of God, that that he lived and he died so that we could be forgiven. And so if that's you, you're ready to do that here in just a moment. We're going to have some people down front and they would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that decision tonight. And then maybe you're in here and and you're just ready to recommit. like You've done that before, but you've gotten so far off track and, and you're just ready like, all right, I started making excuses and I started making trash decisions and I'm ready to stop that. And do you want to recommit tonight? Same offer here in just a moment. We're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you as soon as you're ready. And then maybe you're in here and God's just been dealing with something. There's like a decision. There's a circumstance. There's something in your life that you realize you've been blaming somebody else for. And all along, it was your fault. You're ready to set that down. We've got our white chips up here. There's nothing special about them. It's a piece of plastic. But there's something significant about when we step out in faith and we come down and we recognize that God can move in that situation. And so if you're ready to take responsibility for an area of your life that you've ignored, I would encourage you to come get a white chip. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You just want somebody to pray with whatever's going on in your life. Well, we want to do that too. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to pick up a white ship, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close tonight in worship.